Welcome to Confessions of a Realtor. As an active, full-time realtor serving Tallahassee and the surrounding areas since 2014, it was time to use my experience to educate consumers on the whys and hows behind the home buying and home selling processes. We'll have some fun, I'll share some crazy real estate stories, and keep you informed on realtors' best kept secrets. Why? Because when you're informed, you can make empowered decisions. Let's get into it. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in. This is the second episode of Confessions of a Realtor, and I'm so glad to have you with us today. Today, we're going to jump right into our topic, which is who do I speak to first, a realtor or a lender. And a lot of times people think that there is, you know, this certain point A, point B, point C when it comes to talking with a realtor or a lender, like there is an order that things should be done in. And that's not necessarily true. The lender just cares that you've talked with a realtor and the realtor just cares that you've talked with a lender. And if you haven't, we have enough resources to make sure that you make a good connection and one that's going to work for your home buying or your home selling goals. So a lot of times people think about reaching out to a lender, particularly when they're just thinking about buying. They're moving from a rental or a leasing situation and they're thinking about purchasing a home, right? But it's also very important for people that are selling their house, if they're planning on purchasing another one, to reach out to a lender as well because lenders will have different criteria, especially when you own a house and you're not able to take advantage of first-time home buyer programs, that you'll have to make sure that you pass before we're really able to start listing your home, putting it on the market, and then also helping you look for your next one. So here's how we typically do it. I think a lot of times people will reach out to a realtor first because realtors, we typically become very hands-on with the client. We're kind of the face of who they deal with a lot of times. Whereas I know sometimes, and a lot of times, honestly, my clients won't even meet the lender until closing day. And that's if the lender comes to closing, which they're not required to do. So I think a lot of times people feel a lot more comfortable reaching out to a realtor first. I do find that if a client is maybe more of a type A or I want all my I's dotted, all my T's crossed, then they'll come to me already with a pre-approval letter from a lender or they've already had a conversation with a lender. Those tend to be more so my type A clients. But I would say overall, most people, when they think real estate, they're going to reach out to a realtor first. But again, there is not a requirement. In my opinion, it really just comes down to who you trust? Who do you have more of a connection with? Who do you see showing up for their business? Who do you see consistently helping other people and sharing other stories of other people who have similar situations to you actually getting in homes or actually selling their homes? And then a lot of times the best way to really vet a business, which both realtors and 
lenders, we are our own small business. The best way to vet is just by asking around. So asking friends and family members who they used, if they had a good experience, if it was somebody that they would do business with again. So most people will come to specifically me as a realtor that way. So if someone does reach out to me as a realtor first, I basically have an initial conversation with them to determine their needs. So are you looking to move in a timeline that I feel is feasible? Or is it actually going to be a better idea for you to extend your lease so that we can move with less stress and we're, we're less under the gun. And a lot of that to me comes down to really listening to the client, feeling out their personality, feeling it out if they are more of a risk taker or not a risk taker, or really if they're comfortable with the things that you're suggesting. I always want my clients to remember that these decisions are not mine. So while I can help you make decisions, While a good lender can also help you make decisions, we are advisors to you in the process. Now, in my opinion, the best thing that a client can do is hire people that they trust, not just someone who has a realtor's license, a real estate license, rather, not just someone who is able to lend. Because if you don't trust your team, if you don't trust the realtor or the lender that you're working with, I'm just going to tell you from experience, it's going to be a very hard process because a lot of times people, even if it is their second or third time buying a home, the process has changed. The market has changed. And you really need someone, whether it be realtor or lender, who's really up to date on what they're doing. I do find that most people will reach out to me as the realtor first. And I think that's because most of the time realtors aren't as scary as lenders are. So I'm not trying to say that lenders are the big bad wolf or anything like that, but people do not like people that they don't know digging around in their finances. Y'all don't even like your mom and dad asking you how much you made this year or, you know, a friend asking you how much you made this year. And yet in the purchasing process, whether you are purchasing a home outright or if you're selling your home to purchase another home, you're having to open wide (laughs) and let a lender look at everything. Look at your bank statements, look at your credit report, look at your history of how you pay your bills. And I get that it's kind of an unnerving process. But what I always tell my clients if they're reaching out to a lender and they have a little bit of nervousness with that is that the lender is really only going to have two answers. Either yes, here's your pre-approval letter and you have to decide if that pre-approval amount is what you're comfortable with, if the monthly payment is what you're comfortable with, which we'll discuss that in a later podcast, how to determine that. And the only other answer that they're going to have other than that, yes, here's your pre-approval letter is, hey, no, not yet. This is where I really like to step in and really point you directly to lenders, or it's why I like to point people directly to lenders. So there are some lenders that will tell you, no, not yet. Sorry, I can't help you. And they offer no guidance right? And so then people end up in this cycle where every year they're applying for a pre-approval letter and every year they're getting told no, but they're getting no guidance as to what to do. I typically refer out to a list of two or three lenders and those lenders, in order to be able for, for me to feel comfortable even giving their name to my clients, I do always ask them or I do always make sure that they are comfortable with letting people know what they need to do. So not just flat out telling them no, not yet, but actually letting them know 
You need to refinance your car. You need to move your student loans to this payment plan. You need to make more money. How can you get a raise at your job? Or, you know, you're only a couple of points away. I think if we do this, that, and the third, we can get you there by next month. So not necessarily looking for, you know, lenders to handhold a client, but looking for them to give some guidance as to what the client needs to do to be able to put them into the position where they can get that next mortgage, where they can, you know, get to that next house, whether they're upsizing or downsizing. That's very important to me, for me to be able to have clients that are not just applying for pre-approvals every year and getting told every year, no. If you do get a not yet answer, I do always recommend that you stay in contact with the lender and make sure that you're doing exactly what they need you to do in that time while you're working to get your pre-approval letter. And a lot of times I think people think, well, the only people that really struggle with getting pre-approval letters are first-time home buyers. And that's not necessarily the case. Really, I kind of regard every client to a certain extent as a first-time home buyer because most people aren't going to move but every three to seven years. And in that time, the market changes. In that time, financing guidelines change. In that time, your finances change. And so just because you got a pre-approval letter at one point doesn't mean that you'll be able to get a pre-approval letter again or that it's going to be as straightforward as a process, okay? I do find that a lot of times sellers kind of fall into this trap of just assuming that, well, you know, I got my pre-approval letter when I bought this home. I'm looking to move. It's gonna be a done deal. It's gonna be a slam dunk. And I will say if they have really taken their lending process to heart when they bought the home, sometimes it is easier for them just because they do know what the lender is looking for. But again, it does not mean that it's going to be a slam dunk. Okay. So I had this one seller one time who he was really adamant about wanting to sell his home. We've gotten a pre-approval letter before. It should be easy for us to do this again. Talked with him about it several times, sent him emails, you know, say, hey, we got to get you pre-approved. That is the next step because they were looking to sell their home in order to purchase another one. So we know that you need another mortgage. He said, no, let's just go ahead and list it. I said, are you sure? Because we have no idea, you know, where we're going from here. And that was a risk that he was comfortable taking because he felt very comfortable. What had actually happened, so we listed his home, we put it on the market per his request, and then he went to go get pre-approved. So when he actually went to go get pre-approved, his credit score was just two or three points beneath the threshold of what his lender needed to see. So he was unable to get pre-approved and we already had his house under contract. Now, what they actually ended up doing was just walking out their plan anyway, which was moving to an apartment and staying there while they searched for a new home. The idea behind purchasing this new home was that it was going to be their forever home. And typically whenever someone says that I want this next home to be my forever home, I know that it's going to be typically a longer process because people tend to be more, I guess, picky for lack of a better word, when they are looking for their forever home because they don't want to move again. So they know that I want to make sure that I'm having everything that I want actually in this home. So it does take a little bit more time to find that forever home. But I was just so grateful that in that circumstance where he thought that he was going to be able to get pre-approved quickly and it didn't happen, I was so grateful that he was not under contract to purchase another home to now we were under the gun 
and having to make sure that his credit score came up and that the lender was actually able to give a pre-approval letter while we were under the gun and needing things to happen within a very specific time frame. So moral of the story, just because you've been pre-approved before does not mean that it's going to be an easy pre-approval again. That's why it's so important to reach out to a lender at the top of your process. Really, honestly, especially on the buying side before you start looking at homes, because that way you know what you can afford and you know what the lender's going to approve you at. Now we've learned that it doesn't really matter who you reach out to, the realtor or the lender, but I would say statistically, most people are going to reach out to a realtor first. And most people are going to ask realtors for a list of lenders or for a lender that they would recommend. I typically will send out a list of lenders that I work with and I'll talk you through each option. And I'll typically say, hey, you know, you can go off this list or you can choose your own lender. Now, I will say most people are going to work with a lender that I recommend. But, you know, I do occasionally have the person who they've got a family member who works in lending or maybe they have a lender in a different state they really want to work with. At the end of the day, I can't force you to work with one of my lenders. No realtor is really able to ethically say, if you want to work with me, you have to work with this lender. That technically is an ethical violation. What I look for when I'm sending out different lenders is simple. Do you have a track record of treating my people right? And do you close on time? Can I trust the pre-approval? Can the client trust the pre-approval? Or is the pre-approval not worth the paper that it's on? The reason why it's so important that you work with a lender that is trustworthy and that you're comfortable with is at least the way that our Tallahassee contract is written. You have the first 15 days of the contract for the lender to say that they feel pretty comfortable that you should be able to close on the home. But the average contract is right about 30 to 35 days. So if you do some math with me, that first 15 days of the contract is where the lender is saying, hey, yes, I I've reviewed their stuff. I feel confident that we should be able to move forward and close this home. But the most loans are not finally approved until probably about three or four days before closing. So there's at least 15 to 20 days within the contract of a 30 to 35 day contract. If the lender finds something that they are uncomfortable with or that they have to decline the loan for any reason, now the client is without a home. Now the client has to terminate the contract. And also, and we'll get into a little bit of repercussions and stuff with contracts in later episodes, the client, not the lender, loses their earnest money deposit. And that earnest money deposit is typically about 1% of the purchase price. So let's say that you're looking at a $300,000 home. You can lose three thousand dollars by not working with a lender who's able to get it to the finish line. So yes, you are able to choose your own lender. That is something you are well within your rights to do. I, as well as no ethical realtor, is going to ever stop you from doing. But that is part of the reason why we send out a list of people that we know are going to treat you right and that have a good reputation as far as closing on time, okay? So it's not trying to steer you toward our favorite person 
It's not trying to, you know, they scratch my back, I scratch theirs. It's not a secret handshake deal or anything like that. It really, I think for the most part, when I send out lenders, I'm just trying to make sure that you get to the closing table. Or even if the lender says no, that that no is going to be accompanied by, but here's what we need to do to be able to get you into your first home. Here's what we need to do to be able to get you into your next home. So I've explained the realtor viewpoint of this, but on the lending side of things, lenders operate pretty much the same way when it comes to either recommending other realtors that they know that you can work with. So most lenders are going to send you to a few realtors that they do have relationship with, that they know are good at what they do, that they know are going to help you be able to purchase a home and get there successfully. I do find, and this is so interesting to me, I do find that most of the time if someone comes to me from a lender and they say, Sally Mae over at First Commerce recommended me to you, Rachel, I do find that they are more adamant about interviewing me versus just getting ready to go through a consult and say, hey, you're my realtor, let's get this thing going. So I do find that interesting. I hope that this information was helpful. I hope now that you know that there really is no right order as far as choosing to reach out to a realtor first or a lender first. It really just comes down to your process and who you feel comfortable with. To really understand what makes a good professional in the real estate industry, you have to understand how both realtors and lenders learn how to do their job. And that is we learn by doing. There is no manual to real estate. Even eight years into the industry, most deals, you know, I can predict things that are going to happen, but no deal is the same as the last one. And everyone, just like every person, every deal is unique. So really what you're looking for in a realtor or a lender, and we'll do another podcast on how to choose good ones. Really what you're looking for is their experience and not just have they held their license for 20 years. How many active deals are they doing right now? How many clients are they helping right now? Even their social media presence. Do you see them helping clients consistently? Or is this something that they just do on the side? They have a regular job. Is that really who you want to trust with probably the largest investment that you're going to make? Basically, whenever realtors and lenders are referring to each other or whenever we're making that introduction and saying, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Client, This is the person that, you know, I think would be good for you. We're doing that based on what we know about their experience, based on we know that, for example, they don't have to reactivate their license. Whenever we make an introduction, we're typically making introductions to people that have active licenses and are active in the industry. And that's because the industry and the market, it changes so much. Sometimes things could be going along super well, even two weeks ago, our Tallahassee board gave us a new termination form. And so that's okay. And that's fine. And we're always making improvements and modifications. But it is something to where I feel as though the level of activity that you should be looking for with a realtor or a lender is severely underscored a lot of times. And it really comes down to who is going to know how to handle your unique situation so that you can get successfully to the closing table. 
So no, it doesn't really matter who you reach out to first, the realtor or the lender. You just need to make sure that the person that you're trusting is also introducing you to other people that you trust so that you have a whole team that you can trust because the realtor and the lender, we have to communicate so much during your process and we have to know that the other person is going to answer their phone. We have to know that we can reach the other person if there's a problem. We have to know that, hey, my person, I know that they're pre-approved for $250,000. I know that that's not the top of their budget and they really wanna look at 275. Is that going to be okay? Sometimes we need to get that answer very quickly so that we can help you make an offer so that we can help you get into to the next home. That's it for today's episode of Confessions of a Realtor. If you're looking for an active full-time agent in the Tallahassee or surrounding areas, thinking about moving or just want more real estate tips and tricks, the best place to connect with me is my Instagram page, Rachel Sells Homes 850. You'll also find it linked in the show notes. My Instagram also has a link in the bio to schedule a complimentary consultation with me, whether you're thinking about selling or purchasing. Alternatively, feel free to text me at 850-206-2199 and I'll respond during business hours. I look forward to connecting with you. 